to the Making Laps Podcast. I'm not worried. I've been watching Sisview for 10 years. I, I'm sure. I'm sure they'll figure it out. Okay, so is this the part of the show where we record a podcast secretly now and then pretend like no one is listening and then open the show? And go, hey! Well, look at that! Welcome, everyone! How are you? Hey, I didn't realize you were there. <laughs> oh, All right. we didn't see you. I'm sorry. All right, anybody have to pee? Let's roll. <laughs> no, I'm good this time. <laughs> Phil, do you have to pee? I just hit the check. I got pissed like a motherfucker. Okay, good. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Making Laps Podcast. I am your host, Brent Gleason. Alongside me this time, because there's not a blizzard today, is my, my brother, Jesse Gleason. Hello, Jesse. Hello, everyone. Yes, hello, everyone in YouTube land that we haven't seen yet, because we still have we're like five, six episodes into this thing, and we're still not on there yet. Brilliant. We're good at this. We're really good at this. With us on the line, as always, is our Florida connection, Phil Jakes, who has actually uh, took a day off of going to the new summer or the World Series asphalt stock car racing. Is that what it's called? Yes. At New Smyrna Speedway, he has also uh, been participating. I think his participation is over. I think they don't have any more scheduled races. But Phil, right. how are you? Not too bad. There we go. Where are you? And I'm so sorry. I cannot. You know we wouldn't forget. <laughs> okay, and with us as a guest today is street stock and sportsman competitor and former champion at the Waterford Speed Bowl, as well as a competitor at Stafford Motor Speedway, Thompson International Speedway, uh, and moving up to a SK Light, I believe, this year, is Chris Meyer. Chris, how have you been? Doing good. How are you guys doing? Hanging in there in the Very cold. Very good. We don't have a clever song for you as of yet, but we will be taking requests if you want. So yeah, we'll, we'll <laughs> we can come up with one. Anyway, so like I said before, um, we are supposed to be on YouTube, but we have completely failed the last five times that we've tried. Sid hasn't been very happy with uh, the way it looks because we ourselves have come up with a lot of failures. So. We're going to try again, uh, and just like my race car, if something doesn't work, I'm going to completely do everything over again, which doesn't work out ever, so I'm going to just go with it this time. Uh, anyway, uh, so the, the first thing I guess we'll start off with this week, it's kind of, I don't have any personal news to talk about this week because it's still February. There's nothing going on. I mean, I could talk about all the dents I hammered out in my car because I'm too cheap to put a body on it, but... I uh, I don't have anything to talk about. I bought a whole bunch of power tools that I'm probably never going to use because my crappy Harbor Freight ones broke, and I was stupid enough to fix them, so they still work. Uh, Phil has a lot to talk about, though, so I think we should give it up to Phil and let him talk about what he's been going uh, doing in uh, New Smyrna. Oh, God, I don't even know where to start, honestly. <laughs> well, let's start at the beginning then. Day one, you know, this is a big deal, no, they, you know, a big deal event. The floor should be yours here. as our representative to the south. What? Uh, how did the first day go? How did uh, practice go? And and how did um, 
how did uh, it go in between the practice to the feature? Was oh, it Friday and Saturday? I think yeah, you Friday, was. Saturday, everything. Yeah. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yeah. So we we had practice day on Thursday. Uh, car was actually pretty good. We were running 1980s, uh, which is only really a tenth tenth of the half half off the top guys. Um, and they had stickers. We had about 70 lap tires. Um, car was really good. Went into Friday pretty optimistic. Qualified eighth uh, and ended up with the redraw getting the pole. Uh, and in the future, we obviously started on the pole. We drove away for a little while. We got out about eight cars on the field. And uh, all of a sudden, like on lap three, the car just went way tight. And I couldn't figure out what was going on, but it just it wouldn't turn into the corner, and it was just dead sideways coming out. Now, did you uh, have new tires so on for the it. feature, or or uh, how does the tire rule work there to begin with? How come you had to have there, old tires and then new tires, and then what's what's the tire rule like? There, there is no tire rule for us. Oh, um, so it was it's your pretty much a free for all. So wh- whoever can spend the most on tires is usually going to be pretty quick. Aha. Uh-huh. That makes sense. So, you're out there in your first race in one of these... Well, first race in one of these cars at New Smyrna, I suppose. Um, or was it? Now I don't it, even know. No, it was the second race I've run in it, but... That's what I thought. I mean, much bigger stage is a little bit of pressure. Yeah, it's your first World Series at New Smyrna, and you've already led laps. So, you looked pretty decent, and then all of a sudden, the thing fell on its face, and uh, you started just just like you fell out of a plane, just dropping spots. Uh, yeah. What did happen? So I just actually finished watching the in-car video, um, and we kind of looked over the car today uh, and talked about it. And what it, what it seems like is the left rear hub uh, rotor flange actually failed and broke. Uh, you can hear it just at the end of the uh, first caution period when I'm scrubbing the tires back and forth. You can actually hear as the rear end shifts uh, because of the top uh, top link angle we have. There's a lot of deflection in the rear end, and it was actually causing the uh, the rotor to bind on itself, and you could hear it knocking where it sheared itself apart. Um, had I known that failure had occurred, I would have pulled it in at that time. Um, but I figured because of the top link angle and the deflection in the rear end, I figured maybe the drive shaft was just bumping when I turned to the right. Because that was the only time it would happen. When I turned to the left, it seemed all right. So, um, but these cars, or at least this car in particular, uh, relies on a lot of rear brake, and that's kind of the feel that I like, just to turn it into the corner. And once that went away, once I had no rear brakes, it was it was over. I just started dropping like a rock. Well, that's not exactly a failure that you could really expect to have in a car either. No. No, it was it was definitely. I knew something was wrong because it was like a light switch. All of a sudden, it went really tight. It, one of the things I did like to see, though, was I, I knew that your car was definitely in trouble. I knew it looked like a you know like a snowplow in New England, right? You know, and yep. you could just tell by the way it was going in. It was definitely not turning. But I liked how you let guys go by, but not really let guys go by. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but I'm sure. But I don't know if you know consciously, but or unconsciously, but I like what you did with learning and and building your own curriculum as a race car driver because when you let them go by, you still were, were holding them down on the high groove, so you were kind of 
learning how to go side by side at speed, even though you knew you weren't going to be at the best. But I did like the approach of of how you were uh, took that race, especially from a learning perspective. Yeah, I, I've had uh, Muffy on the radio for me. I'm sure many of the listeners know who that is. Uh, so he was spotting for me. And when, That's Larry Barnett's uh, barter in the street stocks. Former. Yeah. When, when Tim, <laughs> Timmy Todd in the 25 car got to my bumper, um, I, would hate that. I didn't try and hold him off too hard, but I, I made him work for it. Um, I'm not the kind of person that's just going to lay over. I'm going to try and fight and claw for every bit I can get. And uh, I mean, when when the in-car video comes out, you guys will see, I, even to the last lap, you know, I made a, a, a kind of Monaghan-esque move on the last corner of the last lap to get sixth. Uh, well, it was the, the guy chopped my nose off. He had no spotter, and it was either drive into his left rear and wreck us both, or drive into his door and get the position. So, I kind of I learned that from watching Sean and Chris and a bunch of other guys. So, something I wish I had worked on more in the street stock. But what better time to learn than now? See, Chris, you're his hero now. How does that make you feel? <laughs> hey, I'm somebody's hero. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we got our first cat on our lap. So I got a drink now. Yeah, so at, at anyway. the end of the day, we decided Saturday just to start and park, get the $125 start money. But uh, that, I think that was the most disappointing thing I've ever done in a race car is get all strapped in, suited up, all that, and know that you're only going out there to turn a couple laps. Yeah, we'll get into the, what happened uh, during and after the second race, but I'd really like to not leave our guest hanging for long too long because uh, he's been sitting here being very polite uh chris how many podcasts have you done <laughs> um just one one time way back when andy dorsey opened his uh shop on his own down there in london i was on there with uh mike chaluka um, oh yeah yeah i remember he used to do that one. stuff yep all right so you have some uh I guess you've got a lot of plans this year for your racing schedule. Um, I know you're probably going to be in a lot of uh, different races, different tracks, and different cars. Uh, give us a good rundown of what you've got expected for uh, this season, because I know you've got uh, a lot on your plate. So, yeah, we got we got a lot of plans. Um, I think our, our primary focus for us as, as, um, as far as competitors or trying to race for a championship is going to be Stafford. Um, we really enjoyed racing there last year. It really revitalized my whole family actually in racing because racing at, you know, similar to you guys, um, we do it as a family here. Um, and when people start losing interest in the family, kind of everybody just kind of stops coming. I mean, I haven't raced much in the last three years. Um, but we really enjoyed ourselves at Stafford last year. Everybody came to the track. My sister had not so much cause she had the baby last year, but, um, we've enjoyed it. And that's, that's going to be our, our number one focus is going to be trying to get that championship at Stafford. We got second last year. Um, the other thing we're going to do is we're going to run an SK light at Thompson. We're going to drive for Tom Abley. Um, it's the same car. Wayne Burroughs won the championship with last year at the speed bowl. I'm pretty excited about it. Wayne's Wayne's staying with the team and he's going to help. He's going to help out and it's going to be, uh, you know, amongst my, my whole team's coming with me, my whole family. And it's going to be me and Tom and Wayne are we're going to try to see what we can do. You know, there's not really any excuse not to run well, because I mean, I watched these 14 and 15 year old kids win races right off the rip. 
Um, so I'd like to be able to compete. You know, I mean, I'm not saying I have to win to consider it a success, but I want to compete for wins. Well, our first. Uh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go, no, go ahead. Go ahead. All right. So first, our first episode this season, uh, we had Tony Membrino on, and he had basically a similar path. He came from Stafford Darestocks, and he went into an SK Light, and he says it was amazing to drive. He said it was a lot of fun. He said it turns when you turn the wheel, it stops when you hit the brake, it goes when you hit the gas. He said it's like a giant go-kart. So I think you'll do pretty well if you can handle these <laughs> these freaking street stocks, even though they're kind of a late model now. Yeah, you got yeah, but, you drive a boat very well. You know, I had yeah. a good year last year in in the street stock boats, you know, so but a yep. go-kart, you'd probably feel a lot light, like a fat kid that lost a hundred pounds. Yeah, <laughs> so you, you can, you can, if you can drive a, if you can drive a barge, yeah. you can drive a speedboat. We can, let's be honest with yeah. it. Okay, I'm trying to down a, a phone charger here. <laughs> it's probably a good idea with us. Well, the, the wife, the wife likes to uh, move it from outlet to outlet. It's her charger. Yeah, it's her charger. So. We were talking about Chris. He was racing, or he's going to be racing SK Lights at Thompson. We're talking about racing the street. He's going to race the street stock at Stafford. We talked about Phil uh, racing at the World Series. We only talked about the first race, but we didn't talk about the second race. We're going to save that for later because we did mention Stafford. So I wanted to mention uh, some news that came out of Stafford. Uh, apparently, they joined the Flow Racing streaming family, and uh, Flow rep- uh, is providing. Uh, $40,000 in awards to the competitors. Uh, they even sent out a pre-prepared sponsorship proposal, uh, Stafford did, to their teams so that they can have all the info and all the demographic info for, uh, from Flow Racing to send to their potential team sponsors, which I thought was pretty cool. Yep, they could enter it right on awesome. the switcher and everything so that uh, it can come up for the announcers and everything and for for well, yeah, but they also, production well, to do No, it. what they did was they sent out yeah. marketing proposals Oh, like pre-prepared yeah. for the teams oh, yeah. so that if they're going out looking for sponsorships, they can literally use that one. I'm like, holy crap, you guys did the hard work. Yeah, they did a great job. Yeah. Uh, I'm super, I for one, I'm super excited about the flow. The staff are coming to the flow racing. I have flow racing. I've had it all last year. Yeah. And it works really, really well, and the coverage is super. Um, they do predominantly dirt. Um, I think Stafford is the only asphalt track on flow racing. It's their first one. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, they do other really big racetracks. They do, um, like, uh, Eldora Weekly. They do a bunch of races, uh, like Port Royal, um, and, and a bunch of tracks out in the Midwest and uh, Western Pennsylvania, New Jersey. So Stafford's lineup is going to be extra, extra cool. Um, for those of us with garbage internet like myself, uh, it was the one that worked the best. And it still works pretty good. It's it it, it it flow work yeah flow works the best with that. Um, unlike the one with Stafford and their hosting network, it wasn't that great. But with Rivet or something, it was Speed I've Sport got, TV. But I mean, I would use I would get the Stafford feed at my house, and I would never drop out and never have connection issues. And I don't have I have good internet. It's not like the best internet, but it's yeah. for 150 bucks a year. You, I mean, I'm still watching races. There is no down season. Yeah, you can watch a new race. Almost once a week, uh, even in the down season. But uh, when it's, you can watch seven days a week. Really, it's going to be really good for everybody. It is. It's. It's not only are they providing a financial incentive to the racers, but they're also and they're also bringing in a very high quality 
streaming service and Stafford already does their own production and switching and stuff so their hosting on Flow is going to be fantastic so I'm looking forward to that Chris especially. you're going to be famous yeah er. yeah maybe well a lot if of I people compete. <laughs> yeah. a lot of people watch a Flow racing so they they they're I love it. pretty it high really quality good. it's very good stuff so yeah. all right so with that, uh, I'm just going to kind of zoom through the news because I've got other more interesting stuff that we can talk about. So uh, NASCAR is, I just want to get this over with, basically. NASCAR is reintroducing regional championships to their weekly series. They're gonna, We probably remember this from the very early 2000s or late 90s, early 2000s. Right, none of this applies to us anymore, it, but that's okay. Us in Connecticut, at least. Yeah, yeah. I mean, n- not anymore, but... Uh, they've got the Southeast, the Northeast, the Midwest, and the West divisions. Champions will come from Division One, essentially. Uh, well, obviously, they're going to come from them because that's what the weekly series is, you know, whatever. Anyway, I'll move on. Uh, each champion gets about fifteen grand, with 35000 in posted awards being paid out to the rest of the top ten in the individual regions. Uh, divisions two through five will also receive some form of recognition. I don't know. They'll probably get a, cl- a plaque and an invitation that says uh, a self-expense-paid trip to North Carolina, which was fun. Mm-hmm. I wish it was a you know prepaid, but whatever. We're not good enough. So, <laughs> also the ACT late models. We had this email come in a couple weeks ago where somebody was talking about having uh, tri like a tri track series with NASCAR gone with the ACT late models and stuff, and I'm like, well. Just wait a minute, because ACT uh, announced the Late Model Challenge Cup, which is involving nine different tracks, and this is going to be its own separate thing. Obviously, it's got a point fund that could exceed twenty grand just in this. Uh, they said it's going; it's debuting in twenty twenty one. It's going to be bigger than they had originally planned. That's pretty cool. Uh, they pushed it back a year, obviously, because of COVID. Uh, basic format remains the same. Registered drivers taking their ten best eligible finishes and participating at tracks. Uh, obviously with ACT rules, uh, and towards a season-long point standings. So it's kind of like the NASCAR So they have thing. to run a special race at nine different racetracks or in order to... I think, it's just, I think it's just like NASCAR. You basically take your 10 best okay, from... out of all the ACT-affiliated tracks that have their rule package and who is listed in this uh, separate Challenge Cup series. Okay. So that's pretty interesting. Uh, I think it's a $100 registration fee, they said, and uh, it's a 1000 Oh, wait, no. Minimum guaranteed point fund of fourteen grand, and the point fund goes up for however many more people they have that are in the uh, registration and stuff like that. And they've got a bunch of different contingency sponsors that have signed on, so that's going to be pretty cool. I've been looking for a list of tracks. I think, uh, let's see, we got Thunder Road in Vermont. Obviously, it better be on there. Uh, let's see, North uh, White Mountain Motorsports Park, Thompson Speedway, Seekonk Speedway. Uh, the Speed Bowl is going to be there. Uh, let's see. Monadnock, Lee, Hudson, and Claremont. I think that's nine. So, yeah, pretty much whatever track runs ACT cars in the Northeast, basically. I think that's going to be a cool package. So, there, you have your tri-track series that you were talking about, but it's going to be nine-track series, and that's going to be its own separate little deal, kind of like the NASCAR Weekly Series, like I said. Pretty interesting. I kind of like it. What do you guys think? I, I think it's awesome. I mean, I, I'm pretty excited. I'm hoping that um, my sister's boyfriend, soon to be husband, hopefully soon. Um, I'm hoping that he he'll, he'll do it because I mean he he runs good at all those racetracks. He's been all over 
New England race, and he's won he's won races at I think four or five different tracks. Um, so I'm hoping. I mean, I'll have a, I'll have a certain amount of uh, I'll I'll have a, <laughs> I'll have a reason to watch. You know, hopefully he'll go out there and compete some. Because I mean, I think it'll be fun to watch. Yeah. What about you, Phil? Uh, I think it's nice just to see a focus on fendered cars rather than just modifieds all the time up in the Northeast. Um, I mean, I love modifieds, but the fender cars you can race them harder and it's a more entertaining show a lot of the time to me. So it's, it's just nice to see, nice to see some emphasis on what the fender guys are doing. Yeah. And with how many tracks are in the Northeast that run the ACT rules, having like almost a national points type of thing, even though it's not national points, but having that kind of a points thing that they, they give a little more incentive to the drivers is pretty cool. I like the idea. You got to make it special to gain interest for anything. You got to make something special. Correct. I if like you want his interest in your sport, you have to at least deem something special. Right. Well, and there's also there's quite a bit of diversity in the style of tracks, too. I mean, Claremont, Monadnock, Thompson, Waterford, Seacon, like you said, they're, they're all, they kind of drive different, feel different, and it's just nice to see. All right. So, again, I'm trying to zoom kind of through the news, the news section here real quick because we got different uh fun more fun topics to talk about and reminiscing and stuff because we're gonna probably share we're gonna share our own personal war stories and stuff because i asked people uh last (laughs) week to send in their war stories to the to the uh email at making laps podcast at gmail.com and i got a few responses and i think that uh with chris on and everybody here who have raced against each other at some certain point we could probably share those so let me zoom through the uh, news real quick again I was going to talk about the second race at New Smyrna that Phil was uh, entered to run because of how much of an absolute shit show it was. But it was really overshadowed by a really tragic event at the end. And I just wanted to kind of get everybody's two cents on what happened, especially from Phil, if he's willing to talk. Um, But are you the unnamed witness or are you the are you? Yeah. Were you the unnamed witness? No, I was actually at the pit, the pay window getting paid when everything went down. I, all the the uh, officials started to scramble. Uh, one of the track officials, Frank Button, came running over and said there was a fight, and he said it was a pretty big one. So uh, I didn't wander over there. Uh, I had actually only met Rusty, uh, the gentleman who passed away earlier in the weekend for the first time. He uh, He's one of the main people there. Uh, that yeah, we should at least mention what happened, so... It was, it was start at the beginning because yeah, it all started the night yeah. before. I'll just give you the basic uh, press release here. It was uh, it was deemed- new, it was New Smyrna Speedway official Rusty Cruz. He passed away after trying to break up a fight between God the forty four, the seven, the nineteen sportsman team. There was a bunch of teams involved. Uh, team members of I think Matthew Green, Jason Lester, Brian Kruschek, uh There was one more. I forget what her name was. Phil, you got that name? I can't remember. I don't name. know her name off the top of my head, but. Uh... I know who you're talking about, yeah. I forget as well. I'm sorry, folks. Uh, But I guess the altercation uh, in tech was spilled over from basically whatever happened on the racetrack. Uh, The night before and tonight. The night before and And the night night of of. as well. Uh, Yeah, Cruz and other officials tried to intervene and break it up. Uh, Cruz eventually retreated, uh, feeling ill, uh, had a, a, a... What's being reported right now, before we went on air, they laid out a report that said that he had suffered some kind of uh, medical event and uh, 
massive heart attack. Eventually, yeah, it essentially passed out and and never came back to. He passed out. Well, I heard I heard he got hit by some of the crew members. Some of the crew members started beating on the old guy. I yeah, that's a that's a rumor that I've heard too, and I can't confirm that. Yeah, and I'm I don't just really kinda... want to speculate on it, but that's that's definitely something I heard is that he he got kind of in the middle of it for a few seconds there. I'm just kind of going off of whatever they reported. They said medical event. I'm just going to go with medical event. Rumor is rumor. I don't know. It could come from somebody right. who was you know looking from the outside, not really seeing or thinking they saw something what they didn't see. I'm just going to go with whatever the report is here. Um, I did say some strong stuff on Twitter, like, what the fuck are you people doing, and was your pride worth someone else's life? And I stick to that statement, to be completely fair, because, let's be honest, uh, if you didn't get into a giant-ass fight because you're all assholes, then some poor guy with, you know, a heart condition isn't going to have to go over there and break up your stupid ass. Why aren't they taking to the Piggly Wiggly or the Waffle House down the street? And then, you know, have a medical event because, you know, he's probably a little bit out of shape or ill and maybe he can't handle it so yes it is your fault thank you it is because you didn't have to start a fucking fight i have just let it go i I actually obtained audio of the fight Hmm. i i want to play it i'm not on sane son of a bitch here just get the fuck out of my house now not your house toilets i'll whip the dog shit out of you barn I will fucking kill you! you I would love to hear what he's playing. Now, all of you, get the fuck out now before I get too mad to turn back. I wish you could. I think it's from Sling Blade, isn't it? It is when Doyle... It's when Doyle... Come here, you fucking prick! It's when Doyle throws everybody out of the house with Sling Blade. Get the fuck out! Get the fuck out of my house! Isn't that Dwight Come on, you motherfuckers! (laughs) All right. Get up. Get the the, the one thing out. I'll say about that whole incident is <laughs> me? I, I think it could have been prevented if it was handled a little bit differently by the track, too. The, the incident, it started Friday night, uh, and there was a lot of uh, back and forth on, on Facebook uh, and a lot of threats being thrown around. And honestly, to me, at that point, when, when there's threats like that, it has to be addressed in the driver's meeting by the CRA officials. Those, those two drivers probably should have been sat down for the night. Let them sit and think about what they're really doing, and, and if they want to continue racing at New Smyrna Speedway. And, and I mean, I, I can't point fingers at the track management for doing that, but I just really wish it was handled a little bit differently to begin with. Well, it was kind of a rough night all the way around. I mean, the race, the the race uh, directors or whatever, they let that, they let it kind of get away from them a little bit, as far as that goes. It ended up being more like a hockey fight in the seventies. Yeah, the whole night. I mean, I could say a lot about certain people that were involved in that fight, but I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna not because it's just not gonna make anything better. Uh, right. I, have a, I have a lot of opinions about certain people and how they treated other people during this. I'm not gonna go into it again. I, I have quotes and I have all this. Other. You're all assholes. Um, you should have taken it away from the track, or you should have just fucking dropped it. Like, seriously, you're a fucking embarrassment to racing. That's all I'm going to say. Randy, you tuning son of a bitch! <laughs> Don't uh, fucking practice, Randy! That's enough. <laughs> anyway. Um, Come on, Lars, you fucking genius! Get the fuck up and get the fuck out of here! Seriously, that's enough. <laughs> How's that? Get the fuck out! Get the fuck out of my house! Anyway. That's what they should have done. All right, so... <laughs> 
I'll save I'll save asking Chris about fights for uh, when we read our war stories here. So <laughs> I'm sure he's super stoked on that. Um, anyway, should we go into war stories? I have some emails. We got some. We can talk with some stories here. We can have some entertainment here. Anybody? Bill, are you you there? see, that's the thing. No one wants to yeah, share right because here. it's like you're stoking up bullshit and you're hurting the embers up. You're, you're rekindling no, embers. No, it doesn't that, have to be a fight that, or a dumb. Sh- it's just stupid stuff. And they're I not said, here, so you can't slap somebody in the face. Nah, you're all not. So fun. you see, you know what I'm saying? They're not here I mean, to defend my, themselves. My most recent war story happened on Friday night. So <laughs> anyway, um, is, is Chris still here? I haven't heard. I'm from here. Him. Okay, good. I'm here. <laughs> well, you want, I'll, I'll give you a war story which one you want I got a pile of them oh anything you want anything that you want to give because I'm going to read a couple emails but you can go ahead if you want if you have one queued up you go right ahead No, I, I, what, do you, what do you got what do you got I'll, I'll talk whatever you ask me about I'll answer the questions alright so we got a war story or two I don't know which one if it's two or one actually no one of them has two stories the other one has one we got a story here from a driver by the name of Ernest LaRose. Anybody remember this guy? Who the <laughs> fuck is that? Absolutely. Anybody know who Ernest LaRose is? He gave me he gave me my first win. Uh, no, he didn't <laughs> give it to you. Mike Cavanaugh gave it to you. And he references that in here. So let's go into it. Um, that was a cool war story. I can talk about that one. We're going to go into that one because he made mention of it here. So, all right, Ernie LaRose here. He says, I've been around so long that I could probably fill a couple podcast episodes with war stories, and he's right. He probably could. I figured I would narrow it down to one that would be relevant for the podcast and Gleason Brothers stop Racing. Bad words. Oh, okay, Hi, bud. Sorry, bud. I'll stop sorry. saying bad words. Um, so cute. The producer, Junior, just walked in and told me I was swearing too much. All right, so um, he says whatever's relevant for the podcast and Gleason Brothers Racing, for instance, the story behind Jesse's first win in 2002, or my driver running over Brent for no reason at all in 2020 at Stafford. It's okay, Ernie. You know, we already hashed it out. (laughs) After five years out of racing, I found myself battling for the icebreaker win in 2002 with Moose Doughton. Ooh! This will end well. (laughs) Not sure the origins of the 72 car he was driving. Jesse got to drive that car. I did. Um, but into I do the re- wall. He says, yep, yeah, straight into the wall, actually. Um, but I do, rem- <laughs> I do remember it getting renumbered to 81 at some point and Jesse driving it. That's true. At least Ernie remembers. Nobody else remembers that car. Uh, he and I were the fastest cars at the track all weekend, won both our heat races. So we've been there. Um, I started on the outside pole for the feature. Not exactly sure where Moose started. Pretty sure, or, okay, sorry. Pretty soon we were both way out front. On lap 12-ish, the caution came out because someone lost a radiator all through the middle of three and four in the low groove. This was bad news for me because you could not choose your lane back when, and I had to start on the outside. It was about 38 degrees out, and the track crew did their best to clean up the speedy dry, but needless to say, I could not get going on the restart to save my life, especially with a big motor from Larry's Auto Machine and a single legger. Yeah, we know all about that engine. Trust us. <laughs> uh, I managed to keep Moose from clearing me on the front stretch, and we ran pretty even through one and two. 
There was no way I was going to lose this race because of poor track conditions. I soft-pedaled it a bit down the backstretch to make sure I stayed even with him and I didn't pull him by too much. Yeah, that Larry's motor was stout. He could pull anybody with that it was It was put to the edge of every legal measurement. It was amazing. That car. to the edge. Ernie in that car. Amazing. perfect. Yeah. Um, So he's like, it's not like I didn't try to turn, but when physics is physics, obviously I ran Moose just about to the white line. (laughs) And he couldn't get back to the gas till he was probably in about fourth place. I went on to win. Moose ended up with a DNF for what I believe was a broken transmission unrelated to the incident. We didn't sure. have we didn't have words after the race, but but because we're both old school guys, we just gave each other the look that we acknowledged what happened and there would definitely be consequences at some sooner date. Which is a separate story that came in 2004. Love the podcast. Keep up the good work. Ernie LaRose. Oh, thanks, Ernie. We appreciate that. That's a good story. See, that's exactly what I was looking for. I'm looking for good stories. You know what I mean? Oh, I could, I could, yeah, a war story that ended that car. Uh, do you want to go into that first, or do you want to do the win that he referenced first? Well, I could do the win that he referenced where, where I was, I had a 15th place car that had like uh, an old. 10-year-old, 15-year-old motor that Ernie LaRose actually used to run at the Speed Bowl, uh, probably in the late 80s or 90s or something. I don't know. We bought it from underneath somebody's it was, like, it was, bench. It was an old motor from Art Moran. Uh, yeah, Art Moran, the original. Art Moran, the original. Yeah, the, the old man. Um and it was it was old and tired, and the car was 15th place. I was just trying to... You were just chugging. Chugging, but I could keep it running on the outside if I almost flat-footed all the way around. And so I ended up, like, third uh, taking the white flag. And um, uh, at that point in the season, Ernie had won everything. Pretty much there every was. race, yeah. That car was, <laughs> the car was built perfectly. It was a square car. There was nothing... It was more square than factory. Um, everything in that engine was built be- to the letter of the rule, which was a recent rule changes to the engine. It was the first year you can have flat top pistons. It was oh, the first yeah. year you can have that um, uh, uh, the uh, twenty one hundred one uh, Edelbrock ma- intake manifold. You know all that trick stuff that is real expensive, and By it was way. built to the letter. Of every single, because it was in Tekra every week, they measured everything. And that thing came out perfect. By the way, yeah, this was three-inch exhaust pipes with no mufflers. Right. Continue. Right. And so It was glorious. It sounded so awesome. And so at that point in the year, I think most everybody was pretty well sick of Ernie LaRose winning everything <laughs> uh, in sight. Because this he was had, like June or something. He had dominated the entire year. I, I think he he had like six or seven wins by June. Yeah. Um, and so Mike Cavanaugh was in the lead, and he was he was running hard, and he hadn't won the race in a while. So I don't blame the guy for trying to protect his lead and the white flag. What already gets underneath him, and and sure, you know, Mike said, "Okay, well, let's see how you handle on the grass." <laughs> and I see Ernie start to wheel hop, bop, 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 and yeah, it, 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 like the, hitting the trunk lid and yeah, hitting the, the left ground, rear yeah. was hitting the left rear was in the trunk lid, and uh, he ended up. There's no way he could have uh, avoided it. Oh, because Mike chopped them hard. They ended up spin, both spinning out, and I kind of drove through the middle of them, and and then um, uh, I I go, "Oh shit." 
I see they gave it to me, and then I see, I, I look at the green light still on, and, and then I look in the mirror, and Lyle Wolfinger is still oh, coming fuck. out of turn two, and I'm like, <laughs> oh my god, even that big Mopar motor isn't even gonna catch me, man. That thing was a, it was a train, man. We could fill and, a whole episode about it, it, Lyle Wolfinger <laughs> and that fucking Barracuda. That car was amazing. That and yeah, Lyle won some races that year too. And I was like, oh my god, he, even he ain't gonna take this away from me. And then I go into turn three and I can't feel my legs. <laughs> they <laughs> felt, your legs fell off. Yeah, and then uh, the thirty-three car lap car spins out in front of me. So I go, oh, what the fuck? So I go around him and ended up taking the checkered flag. And I was like, holy shit! And then up John Brower Jr. Uh, came into victory lane and I had borrowed a transmission from him that was in the car and he gave me a big old kiss on the side of my cheek. Yeah, um, it was gross. <laughs> it was it was the best kiss from a dude I ever had. Um, <laughs> I did take how, it again. How many of you had? Oh, lots. <laughs> lots. <laughs> More than you. I've had Al Cool kiss me right in the lips after my first win. It was it was something. Something well, did, it, did it taste we'll like bad breath, time. wine, and uh, marijuana smoke? And cheese. Oh, cheese too, yes. And that's he used how... To come to the, uh, yeah, he used to come to the, uh, re- the um, grocery store my wife worked at years ago and uh, order get like a pound of cheese a day. <laughs> that man probably never yeah. shit in his life. <laughs> well, that's one way to remember it right then and there. That's just, you ain't going to forget your first one, especially... When you're sexually assaulted by a strange man. Right. Yes, that's so, right. <laughs> so, Jess, what about uh, the end of Ernie's car? We have a war story on that one. Yeah, well, I was running in the top five, and I was um, I was passing uh, Goggles Bazzano. Oh, and, Nick uh, Bazzano. God, I remember that guy. Nick Bazzano. I was going by him late in the race, and uh, he he did that old, uh, I was underneath him all the way up to his, uh, right up to his door. And uh, he used that old uh, try to use a lap car as a pick move going into turn three. I hate that shit. And chopped me so hard. <laughs> and uh, I, I took us both into the wall. And, oh, man, we got totaled up real good. Oh, that you're talking about that 72 car that you yeah, drove? Yeah, that thing. We wrote that thing right off, man. That oh, yeah. Front tore clip, up. tore it right off. Just uh, That was the first ever time I hit the wall with the Hutchins device. Because after Earnhardt died, you know, I got one of those and... Uh, and that probably that definitely saved my life because I talked about the last podcast. Oh, you hit uh, a ton! I remember you going in, and I'm like, "Oh, that's not our car." I didn't feel a thing. At, at what at, I would have been really, really, really hurt, or probably killed. Yeah, that was a was big like hit. The year before. Yeah, that was a big hit. You know, because I remember my Waterford hit, and my head almost you know almost came that. off your body. I, hit, I went through the wall in turn three, in my rookie year at Waterford, and and uh, yeah, it hit the dashboard. Basically. Just about hit the dashboard, you know, and I was snugged in tight. Yeah. I had giraffe neck, you know, I was young and skinny. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was that was that's wrote that thing off. Oh yeah. All right, let's turn it over to everybody else to see if they got a war story or two to to talk about, and then I'll go back into the emails. So I'll give it over to the panel. I'm sure Chris is itching to give something out. <laughs> what do you guys want to talk about? I've had I've had battles with them all. I've had battles with uh. With Waterman, Hutchins, Galvin, I, I don't know, you name it, Stone. I've, I've done it with all of them. Which story Tommy do you guys Sullivan. want to hear? What's my the... favorite one was uh, you and Monahan. Uh, God, what he was driving the thirty-one car, I think it yeah. was that that white piece of shit that he had that 
he basically willed from last place to the front of the field. Yeah, 2012. Was like that was 2012. So your favorite one is when he got punched in the face by Tommy Silva. That's right. I did get punched in the face by Tommy Silva that day. He came out of the grandstands like an asshole. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck are you doing? What are yep. you doing, man? Yeah, that's, oh, that's a good one. That's 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 a real good one. So I I tell you like um a little oh, story behind that. Um, in 2011, Sean Monahan had wrapped my car for me. We'd always used uh, Jay Stewart's wife Angel for years, and I'd become pretty good friends with Sean over that winter. And on opening day, um, Ed Pulio had wrecked his car with racing with Ray Downing. That's and he a needed a backup car, so he drove for Sean Monahan. I know. And um, at the time, uh, me and Ed had kind of had a falling out the year before. I was starting to run a little faster, and I was getting, you know, I was a kid too, you know what I mean? So I was sure my head was getting big. And, you know, looking back on it, it's probably all me and maybe 1% Ed's fault. But me and Ed had kind of gotten into it, and um, we were trying to wreck each other. But he was driving Sean Monahan's race car, and Sean did not like that. So it kind of ended our relationship really quickly in the 2011 season. Now, I didn't race against Sean in 2011, but in 2012, he built a car. And I had I had gone to Tom Abley. I was actually Tom Abley's first race car to wrap. Hmm. Um, and Monahan had gotten into me in practice on opening day and went over and autographed the car. So I was, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm all jerked off about it because we were fast. And I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to, you know, again, 19 years old, I'm like, I'm going to crush these guys. I'm going to dominate, blah, blah, blah. And um, we almost win the opener. It was real close. Charlie Beal ended up winning it. And in the second race of the year, me and Monahan had started in the back. Oh, he had hit me after the after the uh, checker on opening day. And I was mad. I was really mad. So the second race of the year is the night that you're talking about, that you guys are uh, referring to. And we had started, I think, 13th and 15th, me and Sean had. And um, we had worked our way all the way up to the front. It was, we were racing for second, not for the win. Hutchins had started on the pole after wrecking, and he was gone. And um, I tried to go to the outside of Monahan. I, I tried for laps, and he, he put me in the wall like three times on the, on, on the straightaway. You know, I mean, he, he, he's pinching it tight, and I really didn't have a – I mean, I wasn't liking it, but I didn't have a problem with it. I was like, I'm going to get him anyway. I'm going to get him on the bottom if he ain't going to give me the room. So I drove down into uh, turn one, I think on the white flag lap. And I kind of did a crossover on him. I got into him coming out of two. And it didn't work. He had a ton of grip, and I, I, I lost all my traction. And then going down the back shoot, I don't know if he thought I was closer than I was, and he tried brake checking me, and I was like, well, I'm not stopping. So I just drove into him, drove him up the track. I didn't even lift. Drove, uh, I got underneath him, and he spun me coming across the finish line. And uh, <laughs> he was so mad. And um, then Tommy come out of the grandstands and – came over to the window and I was friends with Tommy. So I thought he was going to congratulate me or say that was a hell of a show or whatever. And he, he looks at me and he punched me right in the face while I was still strapped in the car. Um, <laughs> it was pretty Tommy. wild. I mean, he almost knocked Buckler down. So Buckler wasn't too happy, but in the end, I mean, I, I, I talked to Tommy like a week later. I said, Hey, no hard feelings, man. Like, I'm not worried about it. It's what it is. You, you were drinking. We're at the racetrack. It got, it got crazy. I said, besides, I told everyone you punch like a girl. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, it, so that was that was uh, pretty good. I mean, it didn't end mine and Sean's uh, problems. We, that that went on for a couple more years, but um, that was that was quite the night right there. I mean, I I, I felt like I put myself on on the 
I felt like at the time, I felt like I put myself on the list with guys like, um, at the time, it was Julio, Stone, Monahan, um, Galvin. I felt like, and Hutchins, I felt like I put myself on that list in the early part of 2012. As you know, the season kind of fell apart for us when we rolled the car, and we blew the engine the next week, then we blew the transmission the next week and kind of knocked ourselves out of it. It's all in Sid's but, video. Every one of these, every single, single thing you said. So I hope he puts an overlay over this right now as you're talking, <laughs> as you're narrating this and taking us back yeah, in folks, time. Yeah, folks, if you're interested in watching all these incidents, go on over to Sid's Vault on YouTube, youtube.com slash Sid's Vault, and you can see all these videos that he's talking about from the Sid's View series. Go ahead, Chris. They are. They are all out there. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that season was, uh, was crazy for us. I mean, I think we were like second or third in national points when I had rolled my car. Um, Who has that car was, now? What's that? I said, who has that car now? Uh, one of the Gleasons. Some idiot Some bought hack. it. <laughs> Brian Gleason has that car. We rolled that thing over, and then it sat out in my uh, in my driveway for like two or three weeks while I struggled terribly with my other car, which is I ended up figuring out. We, we really Rusting run well with it since. from inside out. Uh, um, uh, Dan Lajeunesse ended up fixing it. He ended up putting a top of the cage back on it and fixing fixing everything for me and it was the thing was damn good we ended up taking it back out halfway through the next season i ran it four more times and i i think i had uh three podiums and a win and then i wrecked it and we got a um jay stewart put a right side rail in there and then i ran it one more time after that at the finale and i wrecked it again and then um <laughs> we took it apart jay jay straightened it out and i was just like you know what I want to, we, we thought about building a new car. That was a plan. We ended up not building a new car and ended up putting my other car back together. I struggled terribly with that in uh, 2014. We didn't, we did not compete at all. It yeah. was the worst year of my racing career by far. Yeah. We bought that thing off you about that time. And yep. then uh, I think I ran it until Jesse drove it. And the only time Jesse drove it, we needed to put a clip on it. So we put a clip <laughs> on it. <laughs> Well, he hit job, oil. Jesse. Jesse hit oil up in top of two, and uh, then the oil kind of stopped, and he shot straight into the turn two wall and knocked the clip off it. And Every time I've told your cars, it's always because of it's oil. It's always off oil, and it's always off two. He's only driven my cars twice, totaled both of them, and it's always been oil <laughs> off of turn two. It was stupid. So Stop putting oil there. Yeah, stop putting oil in his way. Oh, um, damn it. So, yeah, we put a clip on it, and uh, I still have it. I'm still racing it. I've won it's five. a great car. I've won five races with it. I led the division in wins. Just a good piece. I had Stewart put the clip on it. He's the one who fixed it all the time. Why not? Why break with tradition? Yep. Is that what you got? Is five? Yeah. I got five also with it. That's funny. That's pretty cool. I'll probably never get another one now. Rich <laughs> has two with it. Who's that? Rich Deskowski has two wins in that car. Yeah, that car's getting old. I think what they build it brand new in 05 or something. Talk amongst yourselves, folks. We're just, yep. you know. <laughs> Anyway. 2005, that car was built brand new. Jay Stewart built that car for Rich, and then he built my car right after that, and that's how old my car is also. Mm. They were the, um, one after another. Um, I ended up buying that car from Rich when he went late model racing. I mean, he gave me a killer deal. The thing was race ready. I mean, he mounted the seat in it for me and everything for like 6500 bucks. Jeez. Fresh off a of second place in points finish. Had a uh, fresh engine in it, everything. I mean, and uh, had a lot of drivers too because like Chuck Rogers drove. He was kind of a mentor for me, especially in the early years. Did he, he drove dr it for all, truck almost a full season. 
Did Chuck drive that car that I have? Yeah, yeah. That, Chuck that actually, drove that car. I never knew that. That actually means yeah. a lot to me. So didn't Diego Monahan. Oh, that doesn't mean as much to me. No. <laughs> <laughs> Send it to the crusher. I don't really Diego drove that car for us for three races. Um, Jeez. I think he finished third with it at Waterford once, and then he went up to the World Series, and I don't know, he blew the engine, and then he came down to the shop and got another one, and then I don't, I don't really remember what happened. I didn't go that year. I don't remember why I didn't go, but. Jeez, I'm learning all yeah, sorts that, of stuff That's a here. good race car. I'm learning all sorts of stuff here. So, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, anyway, I should get us back onto the war stories here because I got one from a NASCAR official. Now, let me go down here to his signature here. It says NASCAR, Camping World Truck Series Technical Inspector. I don't know if that's his current title or not, but we got one from a higher up in NASCAR here. I'll call him that. And his name is Richard Keeter. Does anybody know this guy? I know that guy. No. <laughs> Never heard of him. Poor Rich. Never met him. Poor, poor <laughs> Keeter. <laughs> I wanted to make a T-shirt that says Keeter Eats because that's his thing. But, yeah. yeah. Anyway. Enough ragging on poor Keeter. So he says, all right, here's my quote-unquote war story. He waves the flag in iRacing, doesn't he? I think he's that guy. He goes like this, really aggressive. Yeah. In iRacing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Definitely. Um, he says, okay, here's my war story. Uh, I got two. I'm like, okay, I'll take two. Uh, a Membrino story. And, oddly enough, an Eric Burnt story. He says, okay, so on my side of the, <clears throat> excuse me, on my side of the fence, things get a little different. It's more of a trying to prevent the war or break up the war, right? So prior to my time with the National 3 Series, and even prior to being on the starter stand at all three tracks in the state, I spent a number of years in the handicapper's booth atop the hill at Stafford and would typically get the fires that were sparked on the racetrack and would ignite in the pit area. So these are two of my most memorable stories. Okay, so story number one. Next time you have Tony Membrino on, which we already had him on. I don't know when we'll have him on next. Um, you have to ask him about his dad. Or you have to ask his dad about the time I helped break up a fight in their pit area back in the street stock, their stock days. Now, if anyone knows Pops as I refer to him, he's not a small guy. Well, I can't even tell you who Tony Jr. got into it with. I just remember getting in the golf cart with Jimmy Milo getting to the Membrino pit area and picking up from behind and literally carrying Pops from the back of their race car all the way to the back of their inside of their hauler, up the trailer door and inside the trailer. Something Tony Sr. and I still laugh about to this day. Can you imagine Keeter picking somebody up and just hauling their ass back into the trailer? Yeah, like, Keeter's that's not, enough out of you. Keeter's not a, I can't a little guy, but he's senior. not a small guy either. <laughs> yeah. And Membrino Sr.? He, he's ready for dad duty. He already hauled that guy up there. Jesus. Anyway, I was going to say dad duty. I'm surprised uh, I haven't heard Chris, like, yelling anything because I've already had my kid come in here once. So. Oh, man, we put him to bed early tonight. <laughs> bad. Mine doesn't sleep. Are you kidding me? He's never slept a day in his life. He's six. <laughs> never. Mine are about 5 a.m., I can tell you. So he's never they don't slept. sleep a lot. They just different hours. <laughs> Anyway, yeah. Jeez, you got it easy. I hear all these stories of people with kids, and they're like, oh, yeah, they sleep at, like, 6.30, 7 o'clock, and we have the whole night to ourselves. They sleep so soundly until 8 a.m. I'm like, who the fuck are you people? I'm like, <laughs> mine doesn't sleep Whiskey ever. Benadryl. That sounds like a great idea. Like, no, I'm not kidding. I'm not even being facetious. That sounds great. 
take a little whiskey and there you go have some diamond tap kiddo and go to sleep that's that's <laughs> damn it why didn't i think of that when he was oh he'd probably kill him if he was an infant so i probably shouldn't have night done night that. motherfucker it's like brent how did you age so much well i had to kid yeah okay great <laughs> all right so story number two from keeter got to get into this one all right so it's i remember this one a little more vividly it was the night Keith Rocco and Eric Burnt wrecked in turn three. I'm assuming at Stafford. And when I say wrecked, I mean wrecked. Eric's car was destroyed. So again, Keith got parked for it the following week and ended up putting Eric in his car. Now, again, being in the handicapper's booth on top of the hill, I can see the pit area pretty well. And you could see the storm that was Eric Burnt and his crew just kind of brewing. This is how well I can recall this one. The 54 was pitted out where the tour typically pits, kind of out back, uh, off to the side, I should say. Um, and Keith and the 88 were pitted across from the tech shack, so there were a good bit of distance between the two parties. And this gave me time to run to, uh, well, yeah. Uh, so he goes on and says, Now, I had been working at Stafford for a good bit of time by this point, seen my fair share of things, knew people pretty well, and even to this day, I don't even think... I. I I don't think I've ever seen Eric this mad before. Buckler and Ben Dodge call him the Bulldog, and he certainly was a Bulldog on this night. So, anyhow, I run down the hill, and Eric is making his way towards Keith's pit area. But at this point, still on the tour pit area side of the building where the bathrooms and concession stands are. So, I go to the other side of the building and try to cut him off. I get him... Uh, I get to him right on the back side of the building where the parts truck typically parks. If anybody knows Stafford, I hope you're picturing it in your head. Anyway, I'm trying to paint a picture here. I throw my hand up like I'm going to try and stop him, and I will never forget the look on Eric's face. He points at me with his finger and goes, Move! So in my mind, I'm like, Oh boy, this is not going to end well. I remember keying up my radio and saying, I'm going to need help here. And at the same time, I'm turning back, I'm turning my back to Eric, kind of like I was trying to box out LeBron James <laughs> fighting for a rebound. Like, <laughs> oh, this is this is bad. Okay, so Keeter, obviously, he's six feet tall at that point in his life, easily 200 pounds. We're built about the same. I'd never been physically moved out of my way like I was that night, tossed to the side and then trying to chase him down. Like, you know the opening scene in the movie Heavyweights? where the main character kid misses his bus on the last day of school, and he's trying to catch that bus, but misses it. Well, yeah, I was that kid, and Eric was the bus. Yeah. <laughs> the bus. So, <laughs> it did not end well. I think half of Eric's crew was suspended for the rest of the season. <laughs> it was almost the end of the year, but if I remember right. Uh, but, yeah, that's one I'll always remember. So, I tried to give you all enough detail to paint the picture for you guys and the listeners in case you actually read these on the podcast, which I did, Keeter. So thanks for listening, bro. I appreciate it. Thanks for the war stories, folks. We sent them in. Those are the best ones we got. Um, those were the only ones we got, but they were still the best. So <laughs> anyway, um, I don't know of any time that Jesse and I were ever really in some kind of an altercation where we had to track someone down. I remember Jesse. I remember following Jesse to somebody's pit once, but it didn't really go too poorly. And I think a few weeks later, we ended up friends with the guy didn't really matter too much but i do remember the world series of 2008 was it that year yes it was that year oh shit 
I had just bought a mini stock because I had just started my job at the post office. And I'm like, I want to go racing again. I hadn't raced for five years. So I, I raced it once or twice. And then the World Series came up. I kind of started late in the year. And I had Jesse take it out for practice. I'm like, here, see what's wrong with this thing. See if you can figure it out. Jesse's out there. I cranked it. And he's flying. Like, not lifting, flying. I mean, absolutely on rails. And he comes out of turn two, and I see a car smoking Mm -hmm. in front of him. And then he comes out of turn two, and the thing loops to the inside, but stops down where the pit road exit is at Thompson. And so I'm like, oh, well, that's not too bad. And then I look at the cars coming behind him with the yellow light flashing, and they're not slowing down. (laughs) One of them was old man Ron Rixum and his crappy little Volkswagen. And uh, Ron, he spins in the oil. And no, he never spun. He just aimed. He never saw you. He never looked ahead far enough. Probably, he's just full tilt coming out of turn two. Jesse's there, way out of the way. I don't know why he was that far on the bottom, and he slams Jesse in the left front of my race car, full speed. The car spins in the air like this, lands on all four cars, destroyed. And I'm like, God! I threw my stopwatch on the racetrack. I was so pissed off. My bell was rung real bad. Luckily, I had a full containment seat in the car, and Jesse still had his Hutchins, but, you know, your head moves around a little bit, so I was it does speaking happen. Portuguese after the race. Yeah, you were eating salads was, and liking soccer afterwards. I thought afterwards. my name was Ronaldo, <laughs> and I was kicking around some kind of spherical device. Yeah. I'm Ronaldo, I kick the ball. This is just the first part of the tale, because this doesn't end. We still have another day <sighs> left in this story. I still had to... Jesse still had to race his heat race and his sportsman. So he just gets out of the race car, probably with a mild concussion. Gets in his race car, goes out, and you won your heat race, didn't you? I won the heat race. Yeah, you won your heat race. This was World Series weekend before it was a points race. So they handicapped based off, it was heads up, basically. It's like how they start the icebreaker. So I ain't hear no bell. (laughs) (laughs) I ain't hear nothing. I open my eye. So the next day comes along. And we're pretty quick. And this was back when uh, Eric Grant used to come and show up every once in a while with his super big money sportsman car, right? And that thing had a motor in it that I think he took out of an offshore powerboat. Because that thing was ridiculous, okay? And everybody knew it. And Jesse says, before the race, I'm pretty sure I'm going to dime him out here. He says, if that 11 car even touches me, I'm going to dump him. (laughs) Because he's got so much more car that he could just drive around you. You know the guy. Everybody knows that guy. Where it's like, you know you could pass me clean, but you still hit me anyway. And it's like, that's what pisses me off the most. Um, Because he's cheating, number one, and number two. I told Andy Dorsey that, actually. (laughs) And um, so, come feature time, Jesse's in about the top five where he's moving up you know what i mean you're still top three something like that i don't remember where exactly you well, were. well the problem was is i was leading the race at that point and mm-hmm. then some asshole behind me uh jacked up my my rear tires on the on the on the start and right. uh and, and which allowed pulio to get by me on the outside yeah that's right which i was so pissed off about was it Grant that did that? Yeah, it was Grant that did it. That's right. He lifted my tires up, pushing me down the straightaway, and then, and then Pulio got to lead. I was like, "You son of a bitch! Yep. You just fucked us both." Yeah, you dumbass. You, you could have cleared Pulio and then got by me, but no, you fucked us both. What the fuck? Anyway, excuse my. Sorry language. about the beeps there, Sid. You're gonna go through <laughs> a lot. So anyway, I, I'm sorry, Your Honor, but I can't. <laughs> I talk can't without talk without swearing. swearing. 
It's like Sid not moving his hands when he talks. Right. He can't <laughs> not do it. He can't do it. He's too Italian. Right. What do you call an Italian guy with a broken arm? Speech a imp- fucking wop. Speech impediment. <laughs> no, that's not what you say. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Sid. Anyway, that's getting edited out. Anyway. So, okay. So Grant and Jesse are racing, and Grant does what? Door well, slams you, right? Yeah, door slams me. So they go off, and I and I saw it coming, because this was off in one and two, and we're standing on the back stretch. I'm like, Jesse's going to nail him. Going into turn three, Jesse drills the back end of the 11 car, spins him out. Nobody put Jesse to the back. So I'm like, okay, well, they missed that call. It's like I got away with so one there. I guess there. we got away with that one, so caution comes out. Cool. Jesse has a comeback worthy of Lazarus, if anybody reads the Bible. I'm sure nobody does. But anyway, uh, Jesse has <laughs> comeback city here. And um, runs down Puglio, and they're absolutely battling for the lead for the World Series here. Comes down to the last lap. Jesse gets a run coming out of four, coming to the checkered. I was just trying to scare him a little bit. Yeah. You know, I, I, you I got a run. I, don't, I didn't think I was even going to get him. You weren't going to get by him. I wasn't even gonna get by. But him. you were gonna get up his. You were gonna get up to probably his door. I'm doing the thing here. I wanted to scare him a little bit. Yeah. you know, just to say, yeah, here, here I was. Yeah, and and but, we'll do a little drag race because I got a real good run. You but, know, but Eddie pulls down to protect coming out of four. Chops, chops. That's what I'm trying to be nice. No. So <laughs> let's be <laughs> Eddie Chop. No, <laughs> we're talking Block City. So Jesse kind of just lets him ride him down like this. I'm doing it for the YouTube crowd. Obviously, anybody listening can't see it, but moves him down the track until Jesse gets to the grass. I, j- I jack on the brakes, and... I don't think you did that. Yeah, I did, because that's I think how you Moose just turned the wheel behind. straight. That's how Moose <laughs> turned me around. Oh, that's right. That's, yeah. I, I remember I was there. Jesse didn't go Absolutely. in the grass. He just kept the wheel straight. Eddie turns across his nose. Jesse slams the brakes. Moose drills Jesse in the back bumper. Everybody goes spinning across the line. Jesse crossed it first and then gets tossed for rough riding. And I'm like, well, I so guess well, that's a makeup Brooksy, call. Sid's uncle. Well, Sid's uncle. Brooksy. I guess that was a makeup call. Yep. So we get to tech. So I'm spinning through the <laughs> infield. I'm like, oh, you son of a bitch. I told you that entire story to tell you this one. We get to tech. And oh, how much fun that was. Because obviously he's driving for the Bantas. And uh, the Bantas are a very passionate group of guys. And they are extraordinarily pissed off that we turned them. Uh, turned, Allegedly. Turned, turned them. I'll Allegedly. put that in quotes. For the win. And uh, Moose Doughton was awarded the win of the race because he was third. And uh, so we're going over the scales. And Todd Styles walks over and is like, uh, you guys got tossed. You should probably get out of here. And well, that um, was after. Yeah, oh, that was after we rolled over the scales. After we verbal altercations. Right. Well, Jesse's still sitting in the car. This is where the old scales were back when they had the pad before they built right. the big building. And everybody's jawing back and forth. And um, it's one of the few times I've ever seen my father be physically restrained. And then Jesse popped out of the car faster than I'd ever seen anybody pop out of a car before. Because knuckles were going to get thrown. But luckily, I don't know who was down there. Oh, Todd Jr., Todd Styles Jr. restrained our old man and stopped him from doing something dumb, which we all were going to do. Let's be fair. <laughs> and um, we, again, cooler heads prevailed. Todd Sr. comes over and says, you guys should probably just go back to your pit and just let it go. 
So we did, and uh, luckily that ended properly. But I, again, I feel like uh, that's just part of racing. I mean, everybody's going to have a moment like that at some point in their life, and it robbed us of a, a, a World Series win, but we eventually got one in 2012, so we are okay with it. So it's just part of racing. I'm waiting for everybody else to start jumping in with their stories, but how we far haven't heard we... one from Phil yet. Yeah, I know. Phil's awful quiet. Oops, I think like he's hiding some. <laughs> What's Come he on, you were of? on a crew of somebody who had to be running their I mouth see, at some I point. I see tire marks on oh. the side of your car. It I says work. "Cure Obesity" now on the side of your car instead of "Secure Our City." <laughs> on the camera, it says "Cure Obesity." <laughs> Let's see, Phil. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. What it says on Mike's I worked screen. with Bill McNeil. Yeah, I got some stories. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was just gonna say, you worked on Bill McNeil's car. How do you not have war stories? I'm gonna get oh, more God. funny jokes. Who did he not get into it with? Let's see, Hovey, Darnstead, uh, Puglio, whoever was the hack in the 32 car at the time. Um, I think he got pissed at the track officials every time he was at the track and threatened to go to a different track, but never did. Said he was going to quit, but never did. Still probably has a race car hidden somewhere that he'll never race. It's probably got um, five layers My, of my dust favorite on one it. was the Ray Downing times, though. That was that <laughs> was good to the point where he actually put Ray Downing on his lid. That was just it, it was week after week after week. I don't know whatever started it. I don't remember, but I remember. Bill had to get held back many times by Webby in the pit area, just yelling, I hope you have enough money because I'm going to fucking make you spend it all. He said <laughs> that to everybody. Like that. That, was a, that was an old excuse he used to run. Come on. Yeah, that's... I, I mean, I love Bill because he helped me so much getting, getting into racing, but that man is as fucking crazy as they come. I agree. I've never seen anybody that's as big a hothead as him. I wish we had uh, Eddie Gertz on so he could talk his Ray Downing story because that one's a oh, legendary Jesus. tale at the Speed Bowl. That's legendary. I mean, I don't want to pick on Ray or nothing, but, I mean, you do stuff like that, it's coming to you. Well, but, you know. I mean, Ray's easy to pick on. Well, well sometimes. I mean. Well, I had a, a run-in with Ray my first ever day at the racetrack at the Ward for Speed Bowl. Day Your one. first ever race, yeah. Day one, practice one. <laughs> You know, I, I, I only had, like, done a few open practices before then, and I'm in a race car that I know nothing about and that I don't know shit about setting up either. We we knew nothing. We had maybe 20 pounds in the right rear tire at the time because, you know what, we didn't even we didn't know better. We had nothing. We had no we, idea. We, had, we didn't know better. I wasn't even old enough to get in the pits because back then they required you to be over 16 to get in the pits. Yeah, we didn't, we didn't even know any better. We had no clue about the race car setup, and, well... I drove, you know, coming out of three, I, I guess Ray Downing was on the outside of me, and I didn't realize that he was up there. He was kind of my blind spot. I had no freaking clue, and I pinched him up into the wall, and uh, he was so pissed at me. <laughs> he came over, running with his shirt off. I'm like, dude, I don't know nothing. I'm just a rookie. Please don't murder me. Like, come on, dude. Please. Please don't murder me. At least have a break. Please. Please. <laughs> By the end of the season, we ended up being friends. I actually borrowed an engine off of him for the World Series. So, how far in are we here? So we were pretty good after that. But yeah, for day one with that psychopath, <laughs> that's pretty a, daunting. He's an enigma. He's an enigma and a story all wrapped into one. I mean, so. I I knew shit about nothing. No, we didn't know shit. My first ever lap, I went into turn one and spun my ass out. 
Well, at least it, you weren't going too slow. And then came in, <laughs> just kept it going, went back into turn one, spun out again. That's how little I kept. Hey, you oh, know, got to learn somewhere. Nothing. New shit about nothing. And then you get a murder. And then you mess. And then you accidentally step on a murderer's toes. <laughs> It's like, oops, I walked down the wrong alley. Walked down the wrong alley, yep, as he shanks me with something foreign. <laughs> oops. You know? What the fuck? Man. Anybody want to share any more stories? I'll give you a Waterman story if you want one. I oh, yeah, let's do that. If you wish. We have to because I texted him to come on, and I never received a response, a response and he says, oh, okay, I'll do it, and then never never answered me. So, so he left you unopened? Go ahead. And, yeah, he ghosted me. Fire away. Go ahead. All right, so I mean, uh, how far guy, how far back you guys want to go? I mean, because we, we've been uh, quite the, we've been rivals for a long time. You know, even before any of the crap happened, when we were best friends, we were still rivals, man. Like we raced in practice. <laughs> like there, there are times where people would be like, "What the hell are they doing?" And like we have to come in and work on our cars, bang the fenders <laughs> out after practice, and we park next to each other. You know, we're laughing about it and it's like i look back on it, it's like it's so stupid you know how many wheels i bent <laughs> door clapping each other in practice i like i want to know why did you punch that poor child in the face <laughs> <laughs> that child. poor young man his that head is swollen and it's never gone down right <laughs> <laughs> that poor oh, young man. man underneath the bridge on route six all right so I'll take it back a little bit. So 2014, Waterman had probably his best season he's had still to this day. He won three races at Waterford. He finished second in points to Galvin on that year that I'm still not completely convinced that that car passed Tech every week. Those so, are your words. You know, uh, Waterman probably the champion in 14 at the Speed Bowl. Um, I struggled really bad, like really bad. And at down the end of the season, I had uh, rebuilt my whole car. Uh, Waterman, I, I don't, I think he blew an engine and I let him use my car and I just, we just rebuilt the whole thing. I had a brand new suspension, brand new motor, everything. We took like four or five weeks off. Jeff Granger came on board with us that week and we redid that car. He won the freaking heat race with it. Now I ain't finished in the top. You know, I, I was terrible all year. His first race in the car finishes, he wins the heat race and finishes third in the feature. And I got sour. I mean, I was, I was a baby. I'm not going to lie. Like, I was happy for I was happy for Ryan. We were a team, but I was I was sour on the inside, you know, and it didn't wear well with me. So opening day, Thompson, um, we both were both up there at Thompson. We had kind of had a falling out a little bit over over the winter. Him and my sister had broken up, and uh, we weren't really friends anymore per se. But we both still had Andy Motors, and Ryan had blew his engine on opening day practice and I was flying. I mean, I was the fastest car opening day practice on the first practice and I had blown my engine in the second practice. So I felt like I was Andy's guy. Um, I quickly became his most winningest driver and um, I knew we had one engine. So I told Andy, Hey, I'm going to need that motor. You know, I want that motor for my car. We're, we're the fastest car here. And uh, he said, yep, no problem. Absolutely. So we show up at the track real early on Saturday to pull the motor out. What happened? I was, I was breaking rocker studs. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, so we showed up real early. And I get there, and Andy's already there. I'm like, oh, man, we better get working. 
And then I realized they were pulling the engine out of his truck and putting a waterman's car. And I was, I mean, I was furious. I was really mad. So me and Andy had gotten into argument and my dad and we patched it up pretty quick and, uh, got the motor fixed up and went to the speed bowl. And we, we, uh, we actually broke opening day, but then we won two races in a row after having a year long drought. We hadn't won in, for, in quite a while. And what had really started the real battle was Waterman's fender was hanging off after the heat race. And I went over there cocky. We were both cocky. So, you know, we were both cocky. I went over there and said, hey, why don't you fix that fender before you cost me a tire? And uh, he goes, yeah, I'll just fix it on your race car. And he was probably joking. And I was like, I'm not joking. Fix a fender, you're going to cut down one of my tires. So we went out there for the feet. And that was actually for the heat race. So we go in the heat race and he hadn't fixed it. So I door slammed him. It was a right front fender. So I turned down on him in the door and straightened his fender for him. And then we kind of got an argument. I was like, I fixed it for you. Don't worry, bud. And then um, I probably should have let it go. I didn't. We go up to the feature. I start behind him and I shoved him in the turn three deep, like really deep. And um, he saved it. He ended up winning that race. I ended up finishing third. So at that point, I had won two in a row and finished third, and then Ryan had won a race. We went to Thompson, and the rivalry was just growing. You know, we were kind of getting nasty with each other. So we go up to Thompson, and we're running second and fourth. Brent, you remember this race? Both both the Gleasons remember this race. And um, what year was I had led some laps. What's that? What year was that again? Uh, fifteen. Okay. Fifteen. Um, you you have an in-car camera video on on the internet of this one on YouTube. Oh, yeah. Probably. So I led some laps early in the race, and I had a bad restart, and I fell back to fourth, and Waterman was in second, and there was another restart. So they throw the green. We're going on the back stretch on the yellow, and Ryan's waving me on. He wants me to push, and I'm game. I'm like, let's go, man. Let's fucking put all this behind us. Let's go win this race, you know? Uh, we've done that many, many times at the Speed Bowl. We had finished one and two several times over the last couple of years. And I was like, I'm gonna push him. We're gonna get to the front, and then we'll and then we'll race. So they threw the green, and Ryan blew a rear end. Second, he hit the gas, and I didn't lift. You know, so Ryan's car did one of these things. I went down. You guys remember this? I I ended up hitting Jesse in the right rear. He went in the fence, mangled up some stuff. You know, I mean, um, to this day, I don't really know what I could have done different. You know, where I'm fourth, thirty cars behind me. Guy in front of me blows her in. I'm up against the wall and on the other side of another car. Um, so that was on a Thursday, right? We raced Thursday or Wednesday then? Uh, I don't really remember what night. It I might think have it was been, Thursdays and yeah, It might have been a Thursday. Yeah, no, I remember yeah. that. Yeah. Might have been. So um, I called Ryan, make sure we were good on Friday. I was like, yeah, are we good, man? You're like, you're like, yeah, I blew her in and uh, the car's torn up, but the rear end's pretty, the rear end's smoked, blah, blah, blah. You have a rear end to lend me. And I was like, dude, I would give you a rear end, but. Everything that had gone on, you know, especially with, um, at the time, with what was going on with my sister, I was like, I can't just give you a rear end. My sister would be fucking mad. So I was like, I can't. I want to, but I can't. And then on Saturday, he fucking, he just wrecked me. You know, he just wrecked my car. And I was pissed. And I, uh, I ended up hitting him. Um, I ended up hitting him under caution. Again, not my, not my proudest couple of weeks in the early 2015 season. Uh, I ended up hitting him on a caution. I got suspended. I think he got suspended for a week also. I came back, won two more races, and then the week after that is, is when it got um, it got real bad. Um, 
Galvin had dro- driven into me. He wasn't racing all the full season. Galvin had driven into me and smashed me up the track, and then Waterman went in there, and he just started pounding on me too. So I ended up trying, you know, I ended up um, trying to wreck Waterman, and uh, <sighs> I, I spun out, and somebody hit me in the rear. I think it was McNeil actually, ripped the rear end right out of the car. They took me on the hook. It wasn't the next caution. They disqualified Waterman for a rough ride, and he wrecked like the third car in in two laps. Um, they, they, they disqualified Waterman. So I went over to him in the pits and, um, you know, I was like, Hey, he was leaning, he was leaning out. He's on one knee, pulling his fender away from the tire, you know, to get it on the trailer. I was like, Hey, you know, wh- you know, what the fuck's your problem? What's your problem? You know, we, are we going to do this every week? And he didn't really want to talk to me. And, uh, I was mad. Like I didn't even tell any my, none of my crew came over there. There was no brawl. There was no like the whole team going over there to start a big fight. I mean, I went over there to have a conversation, probably a heated conversation, but he wouldn't talk to me and I was mad about it. So I grabbed his, you know, the shoulder, the shoulder straps on the fire chute. Yeah. The hall strap. strap. Yeah. Yeah. So I grabbed his strap and I kind of turned him. So he was looking at me and I was like, "I'm, I'm fucking talking to you. I said, why the fuck are you wrecking my car? And he had said to me, um, probably remember right too. And if, if I'm wrong, you know, it's whatever. I, I feel like we both had a lot of, to blame on ourselves. Um, he said, you wrecked my fucking car Thursday. And that's when I hit him. <laughs> I mean, we were face to face. There was no sucker punch. Like, we were mad. You know, physically mad at each other, shoulder to shoulder, you know. So it's not like there was something where a lot of stories, man. Like, I, I, I saw one person who was very well known in the racing community tell a cop that they they watched me hit him in the face with a piece of pipe. I watched that person tell the cop that, and I, I called their name and said, hey, what what the hell was that? You know, you weren't even over there. Nobody was over there. Nobody's seen it. And um, Waterman's much larger than me. At least he was at the time. So, I mean, I, I got him once. Maybe, maybe, maybe I got him twice. I don't think I did. And then we were, you know, like kind of like locked together, like a, you know, boxing-type grapple and that's when everybody ran over and then uh we hit the ground quick and, and then um brad caddick had dragged me off the bottom of a pile <laughs> and uh <clears throat> randy waterman dragged his son out of the pile and then i separated but i mean that was just um not my proudest moment i gotta tell you especially with like what's happened at new samirna this weekend you know i mean it didn't take that what happened this weekend then it didn't take that for me to realize that that shouldn't have happened I mean, I realized that probably not right away, but fairly soon after that that shouldn't have happened. You know, um, it's just that thing. You know, I mean, like, thank God for Scott Tapley is what I can say, because he changed me as a person in, in, in a lot of ways, not only at the racetrack, but in how I carry myself. And I'm sure he's in the same thing for so many other people. Um, I, I think Ryan would say the same. He's probably changed Ryan also. What do you do for you? Would you give an example of? <clears throat> yeah, he suspended me. He ended racing for me. Well, tough That's love, you know. Yeah, he he stopped me from racing. He said, "You're done. You can't race the rest of the season." So me again. I mean, I was like 22. I said, "I don't give a shit. I'll go race at Thompson." He says, "You're not racing there either." I said, "I'll race anywhere else." He goes, "You're not racing anywhere with the name NASCAR on it." Mm. So that was kind of an eye opener for me that. If I'm going to race, I'm going to have to calm down. I'm going to have to shut my mouth and try to enjoy it, you know. And, um, you know, kind of like 
I know we're having, you know, some Ed Pulio stories, and I've had my fair share of things with Ed in the past. But Ed Pulio, of all the things, maybe his team has always has been vocal. But Ed Pulio, if he's not happy, he usually just goes sits in his trailer, and that's what I and that's what I do now. I mean, I had a open a day at Stafford this year. I mean, I flat got dumped coming to the checkered. My first race at Stafford ever. We were gonna win it, and um, I went back to my trailer and I. Uh, I took my suit off. I went over to Mr. Robinson and I said, Hey man, don't worry about it. You know, you know what you did. I know what I did. I'm not mad at you. I said, I, I probably would have done the same exact thing when I was 20 years old. I did do the same shit when I was 20 years old. And, um, that's, that's what you got to do. Cause I, I enjoy racing. So I'm happy that that stuff is behind me. I wish I, I wish I could have learned without having to do it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's something that really comes with age, and if you get people in your life like uh, people who are officials who and uh, other people who are colleagues who are very into being professional, it can really change your ways, and it, it gives you a lot of uh, a yardstick to measure yourself against, and and really kind of it drives you towards being an asset to the sport instead of an asshole. I gotta be, mean? I gotta say something. I must be getting really old because now Chris Meyer is the elder statesman. He ain't that old. <laughs> he's the elder statesman oh, now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's How a old wise are man you now. anyway, Chris? How old are you? I'm 29. See? Not even 30 yet. I'm already He's having a midlife. Kid. I'm at, I'm 37. I'm having a midlife crisis. This kid's not even 30 yet, and he's like, oh, I don't know how long I'm gonna race for. I'm like, I don't know if I'm gonna wake up tomorrow. I, so, <laughs> so, just, my my pubes are growing gray. Yeah. I like, got streaks over here. Is uh, I have gray pubes and it's all over. I wish people had, it's all down. Let me let me end this Waterman conversation on a good note. That'd since, be fine. Since that season, since 2015, Waterman and I have raced against each other for wins and for position. I mean, I gotta say a hundred times, and I gotta tell you, we we haven't had a single problem. <clears throat> yeah, we've raced clean. We raced door to door. We've banged fenders. We've banged doors, and we've never left the racetrack mad at each other again and i trust him on the racetrack you know i mean we raced same same night opener at stafford this year we swapped the lead like three times i mean and i i feel like if he's not on the racetrack then i didn't beat and i maybe you guys feel the same too because especially at thompson if he's not on the track you're not beating the best in the division it's I mean, like as far as raw talent goes i mean it's it, it's there it's like that with oh, a lot absolutely. Of, yeah it's like that with a lot of guys i can put yeah, a lot of guys quick. in that he can yeah. be very quick absolutely yeah Absolutely. No. I think well, we'll... I, I can say in 2016, it goes line, in line with your story. 2016 was a, a year that I saw a lot of change in Ryan, too. Um, I got into it with him early in the season where they actually DQ'd him from a heat race because he just flat drove through me um, for the heat race win. And I think from that moment, because that's the year he won the championship, and he didn't win any races that year. Uh, from that moment, I saw a noticeable change in him. And even, you know, I raced him. He finished second the night I won my first race. And he was on my ass. He could have driven into the corner and just mailed it in there and, and took me out. But he raced me with respect. And, and that was that was definitely a year that I saw a big change in him and the way he races. And you're right. He has a ton of raw talent. And if he's not on the track, you're not really racing <laughs> with the best in the division. I see Jesse's color changing over here. <laughs> you need Sorry. to you need to finish the sentence and uh, say that the next calendar year, it just all went back to uh, business as usual, because after that, 
uh, the suspensions and uh, a lot of other twisted sheet metal. Uh, we my my story with him is very public, so I'm not going to go much more into it. Yeah. So you know, and mine is much later. Mine is 2018. Mm-hmm. So I know, ended up on top of somebody in that wreck. You know, I just got sick. You know, you get sick of it, especially if it's the same guy doing. That's why I carry a gun all the time with me on me, because I don't care who bait who it is. <laughs> that's or, great. Or, <laughs> that's and Jesse's now been suspended Jesse. from every race. Well, track. guess what? I don't. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't have a huge pit crew, so guess what? I I got enough bullets in the chamber to make somebody's day. You know, not very happy. <laughs> I'm not going to be allowed back now. <laughs> so guess what? I don't care who you are or how big a pick crew is or how you hide behind. It doesn't fucking matter. But all I have to fucking say is is that I got fucking sick of it after a while. And uh, I had the race one. And uh, that was the race that year in 2018 where my father, you know, everybody knew he was dying. Or he had cancer and everything else. You could tell he had scooters. He had everything. He wasn't doing great. That was and his last race. And guess what? He said he told me. He said this is going to be my last race. Yeah, he would need. And I went out there, one. and I was going, and I had the race sewn up. I had it won, and uh, the guy drove in three cars deep and tried to, you know, move me out of the way, or, or you know, didn't really fucking matter who it was or whatever. He just said, hey, "Car in front of me. That's the leader. He needs to be out of my way, whatever way is possible." Doesn't fucking matter how it was, and uh, given those circumstances, I I had it, and uh, I never lifted. I turned left at the end of that straightaway, and I had that foot to the floor. I have a fantastic video of it that I've never released, and uh, on and then after that, there was smoke and sheet metal and cars bouncing off me. Uh, yeah, well, you know, one of us must be in the in the wreckage, brother. Yeah. <laughs> Must be one of us in the wreckage, brother. Yeah, I, I made, was close it. I made I it through on two wheels. So That was the last time, and my father died two weeks later. Yep. And that was the last time my dad had ever said that he was proud of me. Yep. Because I stood up for myself, and that's why that's why I went bullshit, and that's why I went fucking crazy. Because that was the last one for the old man. Did you ever attend those no, anger like, management classes? No. <laughs> my anger was, I thought my anger management was was perfect. You could probably see my neck getting red right now. No, your whole face is red. Mine's probably red because I slammed a whole bunch of beers. But. My anger management skills were fine. I thought I, I my anger was appropriate. I understand that feeling, Jesse. I really do because that's how I felt when I would um, when I've had not all the things I've had, but you know, on certain occasions, it's been like you know this this has this. I felt like this was the necessary action to take. You know, sometimes it's your hell to die on, or else you're going to be getting chased away. The, you're going to be running the rest of your life, and that's not a way a man has got to act, you know. I've been in that position, too, with Scott Sundin and Josh Wood. I put a clip on Josh Wood's car because of it. How deep are we in this episode right now? Who cares? Uh, we sound good minutes. stories right now. Fuck <laughs> off. Just wanted to know. I can't see the screen from here. Yeah, yep. no, that's 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 fine because, you know, and, and that's another debate right there because Mr. Crate Engine... Uh, you know, oh, he needed to put a clip on his fucking car because it wasn't enough to have an SK light motor, but he had to slam me into you going by you too. <laughs> Felt like I, I, remember night, I remember the the uh, the night that Jesse and, and Ryan had done it. I, I I actually I think I finished second that night, 
I was right behind it, man. It was, it was, um, I was right behind it. And I, I, I was, you know, to say at least I was like, wow. Cause I never, you know, seen that in Jesse, but I don't not understand it also, you know? No, we, yeah, you get Definitely it. Understand. I've had my nights. I mean, it's, I have done plenty of things to make people look at me and go, what the hell's wrong with that guy? Especially in the early 2010s. And um, I understand your frustration there. Maybe not to the extent, because I know you, all the things you were dealing with off the track and how what that would have meant to you. But I I, uh, I think most people can sympathize with that day for you. Yeah, enough's enough, you know. And when enough is enough, you know. And I got out of the car and I was going to go, and my, uh, you know, I was going to go probably turn his face into putty. Look, my, yeah, my, it, my it cousin me restrained and, me and uh, put his to hold you back that night. My he put my cousin grabbed onto the roll bars and put his knee into my crotch. That's not good, you know. So I I wasn't going anywhere, and I can't, you know, I can't push him aside, and I'm not going to raise a hand against my cousin. I'm not going to hit Chuck McDonald, you know. That's just retarded. So so speaking it's of not going to happen. Speaking of the storyline of our dad being sick. I mean, I do this. I'll I'll turn the camera here, but you can see this trophy here and this picture here was the night, uh, the first race we got after his diagnosis, and I had to beat Sean Monahan for that win, and uh, that was that's probably my most cherished win is that Bud 150 trophy and that picture because it's the only time I ever put my finger out the window because I saw the old man. Standing there with his walker on the backstretch on the last lap, putting a hand in the air as I drove by him, and uh, I kind of emptied my purse out, dedicating the race to him in front of uh, twelve thousand people who were there for the Mod Tour race that night. But um, it is my most cherished win, so um, I would go into the whole race. But I mean, I'm way too many beers deep right now, and probably break down on air. So <laughs> it's like, at least we got something for him. But oh, anyway. I'm tired. I need more beer, and I need to hit the bathroom. I think we should wrap this thing up. Oh, we're oh you got to piss like a motherfucker now? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I should. It's an hour 35. We're at an hour and 30. Oh, geez, this is yeah. one of our longest episodes ever. 42. So anyway, I want to I wanna thank Chris Meyer for coming on. Um, I do appreciate it a lot. I know I've been meaning to get you on here for quite a while. You've definitely been a, 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 worthy, <laughs> a worthy guest. And I appreciate you coming on, so thank you very much. Um, so you can find this podcast on every major podcast platform. You can send us an email at makinglapspodcast at gmail.com. Maybe someday we'll be good enough at this video thing that you'll find us on YouTube on the SIDS or on the Vault Productions website at youtube.com slash SIDS Vault. You can find us on Instagram at yes, I did say a bad word. Yeah, there you go. Just throw your beer <laughs> I at um, <laughs> hi buddy he's not abused I swear you can find us on Instagram at <laughs> making labs podcast facebook.com slash making labs podcast uh, you can find me on Instagram at Brent Gleason 01 and on Twitter at the same handle uh, you can find uh, uh, let's let's give it up to uh, Chris Chris you got uh, social media for your team and for yourself and stuff where, where can people find you at uh, yeah, my wife runs our Facebook page. I I believe it's called Meyer Brothers Racing. 
And then uh, I have, I'm on Twitter. Uh, my handle is the Livewire87. Um, I like Twitter a little better. It's I feel like it's more interactive. So if you want to find me, find me on Twitter. All right. And uh, Phil, you can be found at New Smyrna Speedway this week, probably at some point. Are you going back? Not to yeah, race. I'll be there tomorrow, Wednesday, uh, Friday, and Saturday. Um, you got to do the... obviously. Yeah, I got to do some filming for uh, Sid's view for the onboard series for the Blue Memorial and uh, the Evans Memorial. So uh, I'll be down there doing that. But you can find me on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at P-J-A-C-Q-U-E-S Racing. Oh, as the uh, guys who announced for uh, Track Pass would say, uh, Phil. <laughs> Apparently you can find my son on video games constantly. Uh, but as the guys on uh, Track Pass would call you, uh, Phil Jacques, uh, congratulations. It sounds uh, more French-Canadian. <laughs> Jacques. Yeah, Jacques. <laughs> Uh, I was like, oh, they Black read. Black Jacques Chalac. They read too They've many They've never words. gotten my name right. <laughs> it's fine. So no, anyway. Uh, gets it right. Jesse, where can they find you at? They can find me at uh, gab.com uh, forward slash WAP69XOXO. That's not your handle. <laughs> they can find Jesse on OnlyFans. They can find me at uh, OnlyFans. Uh, they, uh, <laughs> Uh, I don't want to go to that. See twitter.com forward slash uh, uh, midget cooter. <laughs> We're going to end this now. Boy, you want to end us? Yes. Keep the go, go. You got to go to the. No, no you got to go to the, the microphone. All right, boy. How do we end this thing? Keep the deer side down. Thank you for listening. Hey, you want to do that at a you know a human level where we can actually understand Take it? Take three. Take three. <laughs> Keep your door side down and stay out of fence. Thank you for listening. Yeah, thanks all for listening. Appreciate it. We'll see I you like, next week. Oh, you didn't fall down you Jess, you don't have a song queued up? No, I don't have a song queued oh, up. Oh, man, no song this week, folks. All right. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Phil. Appreciate it, guys. Hope you have a good year this year racing and everything goes good for you. Thank you. Thank you.